Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This is the Court Today replay on C103. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And I'm just going to stay on the topic of the weather because, as we know, most of Europe on high alert across this week for a heat wave. They're talking about a lot of the major cities, Madrid, Berlin, Paris, Brussels, Frankfurt, are expected to witness multi-day heat waves from early this week. For example, in Madrid, they are expecting uh, temperatures up to 40 degrees on Thursday and the same in Paris and Mallorca and for cities that is very, very hot, sticky uh, weather. Britain, our nearest neighbours are expecting temperatures of up to 30 degrees. Now, while here we are expecting warm weather, it's not expected to go to the very high what they class as heat waves well into the 30s. We're still looking at some very nice warm weather uh, tomorrow, for example, a warm day, good sunshine. Again, these odd showers are expected, but temperatures up to 24 degrees for tomorrow. By Thursday, warm and sunny, with temperatures going up to uh, 27 degrees. So it's kind of building as the week goes on. But certainly yesterday turned into a lovely afternoon and we're expecting something similar today. So if you get the chance, get out and enjoy it. John Paul taking your calls today, 1850-333-103. Text WhatsApp 86 2103103. Already had a WhatsApp in from a listener wondering about the Bross concert. And do we know why it's been cancelled for the marquee for tomorrow night? And is it going to be rescheduled? This was the news that broke uh, late yesterday afternoon that uh, Bross, the English brothers, Matt and Luke Goss were due to play live at the Marquee tomorrow night and they have unfortunately had to cancel it. Now they say that they're cancelling it because of transport slash logistical issues. But that's as much as we're getting as the reason for the uh, cancellation. Now they are coming to these shores for two gigs. One with us in Cork live at the Marquee which has been cancelled and also the second gig for the following night Thursday June 27th they have a gig for in Belfast. That gig is to go ahead but unfortunately the live at the Marquee gig uh, is off. Now the boys are apologising to the fans for any inconvenience caused and uh, Aiken are apologising as well and saying refunds will be available from the point of purchase but the Botanic Gardens concert in Belfast uh, has not been affected which is really, really disappointing. 
news for fans of Ross who are very much looking forward to that gig tomorrow night. So it is definitely off. Now coming up on the programme this morning, we're going to be chatting with Mayo County Council about the National Bike Week. National Bicycle Week is happening right across this week. And as part of it, they have decided to issue number plates to bicycles. So we're going to find out a little bit more about it. And it's all to do with trying to keep people safe and safer on our roads. And I suppose they're using it as the opportunity for National Bike Week to get the conversation going about we all have to share the roads. If you're a motorist or if you're on your bike, we have to share the roads with each other. Cycling two abreast, three abreast can make it very frustrating for people who get stuck behind bicycles. If you're on a narrow road, it can be very difficult to overtake somebody on a bicycle. People on bicycles say we're as as entitled to be on the road as anybody else. And this suggestion of having number plates on bicycles has been mentioned before by listeners who give out about some cyclists who are not very safe on the roads and who do stupid things like cycling through red lights, for example, or weaving in and out of traffic or or cycling too close to somebody's car. And we've certainly heard from listeners saying, wouldn't it be great if there was a number plate that you could take down or photograph and you could report a cyclist for cycling erratically and not safely and and then, of course, the other argument that comes up about cyclists is if, if when people say we all have to use the same roads and we have to share them, well, people in the cars pay road tax, people on the bikes don't pay road tax. If there was some system where the bike was registered by this idea of having a registration, a number plate on it, could they also then be forced to pay some kind of road tax? Anyway, it's been put forward as a suggestion and they're using it this week and it's all to do with bike safety. So we'll be talking about that and we welcome your thoughts and comments uh, throughout the morning. We will also hear from a listener who is hoping to track down a woman who was married in Mallow in May of 1976 and a woman that she believes is still living in the Mallow area or if she isn't there might be family members living in the Mallow area who may know where this woman is now living and there's a kind of a sweet story to go with it and it's all it's got a connection to the local orphanage that used to be in Mallow so we'll talk more about that after 11 o'clock this morning. We're also going to hear about a pop-up museum that has been organised by the Charleville Heritage Association and it is tying in with the Charleville Agricultural Show which is on this weekend and we'll have details of what the pop-up museum and a visiting band and uh, what's 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 happening in Charleville this weekend? And actually, while I'm talking about the Char the Charleville Agricultural Show, which is on this Saturday and Sunday, June 27th, uh, June 30th, and it certainly is looking like. If this weather keeps up, they'll have lovely weather for the Agricultural Show. We have two pairs of tickets to give away to the Charleville Agricultural Show and we'll give those away a little bit later on on the programme uh, today. And it is Tuesday, so Joe Heflin is going to be joining us later on and Joe is going to be talking about cocaine addiction on the programme today and cocaine addiction is something that is certainly on the increase in this country and it is something we need to be worried about. And in a couple of minutes, I'm going to be speaking with Ashley, uh, Ashley Maloney 
from Bandham. She's going to give us an update on her little daughter, Freya, after that really serious operation that Freya had to have at the Children's Hospital in Dublin, where they discovered a tumour a number of weeks ago and everything happened so quickly for this family who had, you know, a perfectly healthy little 14-month-old baby and literally in the blink of an eye, they discovered that their child is very unwell and has this huge tumour that has to be removed and then they had to wait to find out if the tumour was cancerous uh, or not. Uh, we're going to... They're back home in, in Banton and I'm sure nothing like sleeping in your own bed. So we're going to be talking about that um, and we'll speak with Ashley on the uh, programme today. 1850-333-103. Already getting texts into the programme today. Somebody saying three abreast that you mentioned with people cycling on their bikes. That as a motion, as as on, from a motoring point of view, is an offence. People are not allowed to cycle three abreast on their bicycles. So be warned if anybody is doing that. Talking of motoring offences, remember yesterday on the programme, Mary from Kilbehany joined us about her son who had been caught speeding on a section of roadway which is 100 kilometres and he was caught doing, I think it was 94 kilometres and he was... We were saying, get that challenged, get that checked. And then some people were saying, could it be that that section of the road has been reduced to 80 kilometres? And we were saying, surely if that's the case, they'd have to put up signs. They'd have to tell people if they were reducing the speed limit on the road. Now, I have to say, immediately after I spoke with Mary, somebody did send in a text and say check with that lady to see was her son towing a trailer and we tried to ring Mary back but unfortunately we couldn't get through to her. I spoke with Mary yesterday evening and it turns out her son was towing a trailer and he was unaware I was certainly unaware and I think other listeners will be unaware that if you are towing a trailer then your speed limit gets reduced. Uh, if, it's, if it says 100 kilometres then you're only allowed to do 80 kilometres if you're on the motorway pulling a trailer that's 120 kilometres you can't do more than 100 kilometres so therefore he was breaking the 80 kilometre even though it's 100 kilometres on that road but because he was towing a trailer he was unaware he was making sure he was under the 100 kilometres but he should actually have been at 80 or under 80 and he was doing 94 so he's not going to have any choice but to pay the speeding fine to, and take the penalty points and he's learned to lesson and um, so we pass it on for anybody else out there because I'm sure that there are a number of other people I certainly was unaware of that if you are towing a trailer you must reduce your speed on a 100 kilometre zone you can't be going over uh, 80 and thanks to Councillor Danny Collins who says Hi Patricia would you please wish the Bantry Tidy Towns Committee and their volunteers the very best of luck today as they are heading to Farm Lee House in the Phoenix Park they've been nominated by the Department of Rural and Community Development for the 2019 Ireland Best Kept Towns competition. A nomination of this competition is some acknowledgement for the hard work that these great volunteers have put in. And Councillor Danny Collins says he is delighted to be heading there as well as he's deputising for the county mayor. That is fantastic. Well done to everybody involved in Bantry Tidy Towns Committee, even just to get the nomination. Now, we'll keep our fingers crossed that they'll pick up an award at this competition, but even to get a nomination, and I'm assuming they're the only person nominated from Cork, County, am I right in saying that? But uh, we wish them the best of luck. We hope they have a wonderful day out in Farm Lee. And if 
somebody if anything happens before one o'clock if somebody can get the information in to us particularly if they've picked up an award we would love to be able to share that news with everybody else but congratulations and the best of luck to Bantry Tidy Towns Committee and their volunteers. Pattern from Oi this is on cycling that we're going to get to in this hour on the programme. I think it should be compulsory that cyclists cycle in single file and that they have insurance. The ad on the TV shows you must be so many feet in order, this is for people in a car, must be so many feet in order to pass them but they never show if the cyclists are too abreast on the road. How can you possibly allow them that amount of space for all our safety. I think this needs to be enforced whereby compulsory cyclists when they're out on road cycling in a group they must cycle in a single file. Well we have we will have um, a safety officer join us I'll, I'll put that uh, your point to him uh, Pat when he joins us later on in this hour. Now can anybody offer advice to Trish who contacted us uh, yesterday. She has sadly come out of a bad breakup and God knows breakups are difficult and for a lot of people if they're bad and messy and argumentative it can leave everybody feeling a little bit battered and a little bit bruised. She is, the relationship is finished and she has joint custody with her former partner of the children. But I don't know why but the children are all living with her former partner full time even though she has joined custody but her problem is she feels she's not getting enough access to the children she says the relationship she was in was a very controlling relationship and that's why she had to get out but she feels he is still controlling her in the sense that he's limiting the contact she now has with her children she chats with her children on the phone and she hasn't, she admits she hasn't met them in a, a long time, met up with them in person. And she says that whenever she tries to meet up with them, the children will always come up with some kind of an excuse as to why they can't meet on that day. And if she does it like an impromptu thing, like she might be chatting to one of the children on a Sunday and would say things like, well, I call to see you this afternoon. And straight away the children will go, no, 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 today doesn't suit. No, 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 today doesn't suit. And if they plan forward there's always some reason when it comes close to the date why the children can't meet and she reckons this isn't the children that it has been led by the controlling partner that even though they're separated and she's out of the and remember coercive control is now acknowledged as an abusive relationship and even though she's out of that situation he's got control because for and I don't know the ins and the outs and of why the children are living with him and I don't know if that's a financial reason or what but she does have joint custody and therefore as joint custody she is entitled to see the children and she's wondering could we put it out there could we mention it to see if anybody else has been in that situation in the past who can maybe offer her advice as to how she handles it and what does she do and how does she get around it and how does she get to see uh, her children My, the instant thing that I think of when you're ringing saying to the children you know will I call to see you, you know, and obviously the way you phrased it leads me to believe that you're getting access at the partner where the partner is living with your children is that the former family home if that is the case and if you're happy to have access while the partner in where the partner is living and with the partner around I would suggest if it was me I just landed the doorstep don't give them the chance to say oh no don't call today or, you know don't call today and I'm wondering if it is a very controlling situation are th- and the children saying no to you is that because they're afraid that something's going to kick off I don't 
and you don't want to put the children in an awkward situation uh, either. But I would, I would certainly chance just calling on spec and see how you how you get on. You've you've nothing to lose, particularly when you haven't seen your children in quite some time, and they're into the summer holidays now, so they're going to be, you know, the most of the schools, the schools are breaking up at various stages across this week. Certainly by Friday, all of the children will be on primary school if they're that age if they're secondary school they're already on holidays so I'd, I don't know if that can work for you could you just call don't announce you're arriving just knock on the door and say hi I'm here to see the kids 1850 if anybody else has been in a similar situation and can offer advice to one of our listeners Trish we certainly would love to uh, hear from you and on gender neutral toilets remember this came up yesterday when I mentioned the school up the country, it's in Greystones in County Wicklow. It's a primary school and they're introducing gender neutral uniform policy. And it's from next September and it will allow boys to wear skirts and pinafores if that's what they want to wear. And it will allow the girls to wear the trousers. The whole idea is that some uh, some of the in case some of the children are having identity issues, they want them to feel accepted at school so they can wear either the boys uniform or the girls uniform whether they're boys or girls and they're also planning on phasing out boys and girls toilets and instead they're going to replace them with gender neutral versions that caused some commentary yesterday and some that came in that we didn't get to including Millie and Skibreen as a Patricia about these gender neutral toilets we had them at my university in London and they were great because they were self-contained cubicles with their own sink, hand dryer and sanitary bin. They opened up, not into an enclosed area, but straight out onto a corridor. I don't think at school I would have been happy if gender-neutral toilets weren't self-contained, especially as a girl. If it was my time of month, I think I would have felt very uncomfortable to open the cubicle door to see a boy standing there. And that's from Millie in Skibbereen. Someone else says, "Will these gender-neutral? T- what will these gender-neutral toilets look like? Will quiet pupils be at risk of bullying in them? Will we have people avoiding using the toilet all day for that reason? We've seen proof positive over the past year of the extremes of bullying, but any degree of it can ruin lives. Well, what the gender neutral toilets would look like if what Millie described she experienced in the university in London, they they would work where they're all completely self-contained. So it isn't that you would have a row of toilets and people would just go in and use them and the hand basins and the dryers would be outside. I mean, typically that's what toilets look like in schools for boys and girls. Now, I don't know if financially they're going to be in a position to do what Millie has suggested, where there would be all these self-contained toilets where you'd have everything, your hand dryer and your sink all in. A little bit like what they do for the disabled toilets uh, here, the wheelchair accessible toilets, you know, where they're all self-contained. That's what they had in the university that Millie uh, went to. And another listener says, Hi Patricia, this uniform topic makes me think. One of my daughters absolutely hates wearing skirts and I would never make her wear one. So should I force my son to wear trousers if he hated to wear them? Is it just that we are so socially conditioned as to what is acceptable. Because certainly when I mentioned this story yesterday, we had very divided views in, in from people, people th- thinking it was a disgusting topic. We shouldn't have been discussing it. We had people saying that that school was wrong in doing what they're doing. With some people feeling that they were pushing children to have problems with their sexual identity. And we, as we mentioned yesterday, with the whole issue of the 
lad in the 17 year old in Scotland someone drew our attention to it who got removed from class because he got into an argument with his teacher saying that there were there are only two genders male and uh, female and the teacher accused him of not being very inclusive and that led to him being excluded from the class 1850 some were saying we're gone too politically correct John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 We've been following the progress of little Freya Maloney from Bandon who at just 14 months of age was diagnosed with a large tumour on her neck. Delighted to report that little Freya along with her mum Ashley and dad Kiron, are back home in Bandon and Ashley joins me with an update on Freya's progress. Good morning to you Ashley. Good morning. Uh, welcome home. Nothing like sleeping in your own bed. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, how is little Freya doing? She's good. She's uh, she still has a few stitches in her chest. So um, we have an appointment back up in Dublin now next week. And we have another appointment then in August and another one then in October. So they want to keep a close eye on her. Okay. Even though they got everything, it's actually a very, very rare tumour. And uh, it's uh, any reported cases have been in America, and they're more common in the extremities, like the arms and the legs. And I think there's only three percent of cases that have been in the neck. So she's even rarer again. My goodness, it's a very special case for about a very special little girl, by all accounts. Yeah. <laughs> So they just have to keep a close eye on her because the type of tumour she had, even though when you get all of it, the chances of it reoccurring are very slim, but it could reoccur. Okay. So they just keep a close eye on her over the next two years. And the biopsy results? Yeah, the biopsy results came back and they said it was benign. Yeah. So we were over the moon. <laughs> Was that was that a very difficult time? Because I know I was talking to you in between once you got the operation over with, which was, you know, that was a very difficult day. And then there was that period of waiting. <sighs> to be honest, I think they had us, I think they'd given us worst case scenario because we were prepared. Like, I mean, we were told, you know, that they would, they'd be very surprised if it was benign. So I think they had us all prepared for worst case scenario so we were all prepared for around the chemo and you know but um, I mean it's brilliant you know mm. we were over the moon then when we got the results and they reiterated and everything before we came home you know it is benign if it does reoccur it's still going to be benign it's one of those just you know, one of those things yeah one of those things uh, and how did they break that news to you that it was benign the um, the oncologist is that Freya in the background it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> go on sorry the oncologist came into you was it yeah and he had kind of said initially like without the results being back that they thought it was benign they have a rough idea of when they take it out of what it looks like and mm. you know um, no he kind of initially said that to us but my husband was getting excited and I was saying no I said we will say nothing now until the actual results are back so I said we didn't want to get our hopes up in case that wasn't the case so on the Thursday last Thursday 
the one of the ENT doctors came into us and she told us what type of tumour it was. Told us it was a very, very rare tumour. And that the important thing to know is that it's benign. So we were over the moon then. <laughs> what a relief. Wow. Yeah. Re- Did you burst into tears? I was just happy. I was uh, just smiling. And <laughs> oh no, it's really, really, my goodness, because it's just, it's that weight, it's that, and you are thinking the worst. You're thinking of what, you know, your little baby, what's chemo going to do to her? You know, bless her heart. She's been through enough, you know, she needs a break and she certainly got the break. That's yeah. for sure. Do the doctors believe she was born with the tumour, uh, Ashley? They're not entirely sure, no, because the type of tumour that it was, it says it's a fast-growing tumour. Yeah. So they reckon that it just grew really quick. Okay. So um, they can't really tell for sure Yeah, yeah. whether or not. But I mean, as I said, we had her, like after we found out, we had her tears, we put her into um, a tricycle on the lorry and uh, they had like a little yard and my husband was pushing her around and I just started crying. And my husband was like, you know, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. I, did, I think it was just relief that yeah. she was okay. But it was also, my heart went out to her because she was so happy after everything she'd been through. Major surgery and being prodded and poked. And, you know, and she was still in good form, <laughs> you know. Yeah, how did she cope with being in hospital? I mean, I know, she, I mean, luckily she's very young that she won't have any memories of it. But how did she cope with it? It was fine once they didn't, it was taking the blood and putting in the needle. Yeah. They found it very hard to get blood on her. Yeah. Like she, and of course, we'd have to hold her down. Mm. And I think that was the hardest part out of everything. Yeah. In, a, any that, mother will tell you that. It's just. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, the nurses were mad about her. They said that, you know, they've never seen such a baby where she's smiling from the minute she gets up to the minute she goes to bed. <laughs> And she was mad for walking up and down the corridor. Like, she has to hold her hands, but she'll do it. And she'll walk up and down, and she'll be wanting to come into the nurse's station. And the nurse would be like, oh, she's fine, come on. And they'd bring her in, and she'd be (laughs) sitting inside with them. But um, no other, like, I mean, the only thing I was trying to keep her entertained. You know, when I know, you're stuck in a room, I know, it's hard. And is she, is, is, can you see the obvious happiness with being at home? For, for Freya? Yeah. Oh, she's way happier now at home. Is she, yeah? Yeah. And she's her own, her own toys and her own space. The only thing I'll say is she's a very independent girl. <laughs> and uh, since she's come out of hospital, she's more, she's clingy, which she never was before. Ah. You know, I can't even disappear from her sight and she'll start. Ah, hope, hopefully know. that will pass. But, that yeah. would be, and very understandable with everything, yeah. with everything that she's been through. So you now try to get life to get back to normal again. Is it? Is that the plan, Ashley? That's the plan, and I mean, work. Our employers have been brilliant, really. You know, um, giving us well. Obviously, they had no choice, I suppose. But you know, they were understanding of us having time off work. And, yeah. You know, because you and Kieran just moved to Dublin. That was it. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you, you're a nurse. Is... Yeah, yeah. I work in the Marshall Private in Cork. Okay. So, uh, plans to go back? Um, we have an appointment now in Dublin next week, so it'll be the following week. Okay. 
Okay. And I know, and I know you've mentioned it, but we'll use the opportunity again. You are extremely grateful to the generosity of of family, friends and and total strangers. We can't, we actually can't believe how supportive people have been, you know, um, to keep us up there. And I mean, it's, it's, if you had seen, what we could see up above on the wards, you know, I mean, we were lucky enough that we had the support that the two of us could be there with her and share the responsibility. Because, I mean, it is it is tough going if you were there on your own. Mm. And that's why the charity we're going donating to, that's why they're very important. I mean, there's some children up there and I don't know, I don't know any of the background to some of the babies up there. But there are some babies there that are four, five, nine months old and they're laying in the room all day and the only contact they have are the, is this charity that comes in for a few hours every day and that's the only contact they have. My God. Do you know, and yeah. my heart was going out. There was a baby next door to her and I just thought, oh, you know, and in the in the post-op, in the week or so that we were there, like, we didn't see anyone come in to that baby, you know, only, only this charity. And you know? it's called the Children in Hospital, isn't it? Is that? Yeah, Children yeah. in Hospital. Yeah. yeah, they are terrific. They are. They've. I've. <sighs> I've crossed paths with them in the past, and and they are. I, I think. And this outside of uh, that's the side of their work that I hadn't thought about. The children who actually don't have anybody to go into the hospital uh, to be with them, but the support that they offer to parents. Yeah, because exactly. if if you were, I mean, in in some ways you're blessed that Freya is your one and only. If you had had yeah. three, two or three other kids at home, one of you perhaps would have to stay at home. There would only be one of you in Dublin, uh, exactly. and 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 there's lots of families that that happens to, and that's where that charity comes in, and, and they're fantastic. Yeah. And listen, there was so much prayers and positivity and candles being lit for you. There was the day went by where we didn't have somebody on to us uh, to say that they were thinking of Freya and her parents. So know that you were you were being looked after spiritually anyway by by uh, everyone that was listening which was terrific so listen uh, best of luck to all of you and it's been a real pleasure talking to you we'll we'll stay in contact with you just to keep us updated on little Freya and uh, get back to normal life and uh, just being yourselves again and and thanks a million for you've taken great time to talk to us no thank you very much God bless. Mind yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is Ashley Maloney, who is mum of little Freya. And I know a lot of people will be delighted to have heard her on the programme and to know that little Freya is home and is well on the road to recovery. And she's young enough, um, thank God, that she won't remember any of the awful stuff that's been happening to her. Bless her little heart over the last uh, number of weeks. 1850 John Paul is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 086 2103103. We're going to take a break and we're back chatting about this suggestion and what's happening in County Mayo to put number plates on bicycles for National Bike Week. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time, where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel good story and song of the day. And of course, we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. Some of your texts coming in. Somebody said, Finbar says, Trisha, did I hear you say that it's 100 kilometres per hour on the motorway if you are towing a trailer? This is the issue that came up uh, yesterday. If it is a 100 kilometre zone and you're towing a trailer, then you are not allowed to go over 80 kilometres. And that's what happened yesterday. That's how Mary's son 
got caught because he was in a hundred kilometres zone. It's a road he knows really well. He knows it's hundred kilometres. He was doing ninety four, so he was surprised when he get he got in the speeding ticket. But there was a number he could ring, and when he looked into it, and they said we can even send you out a photograph to prove you were towing a trailer at the time. And then they explained to him that when you're towing a trailer, if it's a hundred kilometres, you can you're not allowed to go over eighty kilometre. If it's a hundred and twenty kilometre road then you are allowed to do 100. But if it's a 100 kilometre zone, you must be 20 kilometres uh, below it, only if you are pulling a trailer. And I just don't know how many people are aware of it. Certainly Mary's son, who travels that road quite a lot with a trailer, wasn't aware of it. 1850-333-103. As we mentioned earlier, this is National Bike Week. A Mayor County Council is taking a proactive approach to increase safety for cyclists by issuing number plates for bicycles. Noel Gibbons is Road Safety Officer with Mayor County Council and Noel joins me. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning. Uh, um, you're welcome to the programme. Um, what are you hoping these number plates on bicycles will achieve? Well, first of all, thank you for covering the topic of uh, road safety and cycling bike week. Uh, the, the whole purpose is just to get the topic of and the discussion of how vulnerable cyclists are on the road and to, I suppose, create a, a harmony between cyclists and motorists. So, the, again, it's a fun, novel idea. By no way are we campaigning or looking for cyclists to be fitted with uh, number plates uh, legally. This is all about... Uh, if we hand out these one number plates to young children at various bike weeks events throughout the country. So we get parents and young cyclists talking about the message on the number plates, which is share the road and give cyclists 1.5. So that's the whole purpose of the campaign. Again, just create awareness and get the discussion around road safety for this week. Um, are many cyclists, Noel, involved in road traffic accidents every year in this country? Yes, uh, I don't have the, the figures here where I am today, but again, this, uh, in 2015, there was a huge uh, increase in the number of fatalities on our roads <coughs> in relation to cyclists. And uh, again, a lot of uh, unreported uh, accidents will go will happen that we, we don't know of in relation to cyclists. So it's about preventing the, the number of, I suppose, fatalities and also about uh, preventing the number of serious injuries. But also, again, it's about encouraging people and enticing people to look at the, uh, the cycling and the serious mode of transport. And also there's a huge, I suppose, social element as well in relation to cycling. We hear so much about, let's say, people uh, not going to pubs anymore, people suffering from isolation and, and I suppose, loneliness. But cycling is, is a huge, I suppose, area there that people use to get out, socialise, mix with other people of their own ages. I suppose, and I suppose cultures are changing as well, that, that people aren't going to, I suppose, uh, socialise as much. But cycling is a great way of people can meet on Sunday mornings or midweek, uh, different age groups get out and socialise and they can use it again as a mode of transport also. And we've been talking about climate change and, and how we all need to look at our carbon footprint and, you know, only last week we were talking about electric cars and the move away from petrol and diesel. What's even better than an electric car is to get on a bicycle. Exactly. So again, the part of the campaign is we have this week as well as is a car swap, a swap challenge. So we're, we're challenging motorists to leave the bike aside even for one journey this week and experience what it's like to cycle on the road. And again, they get to understand as well how vulnerable it is if you are a cyclist on the road. And that again, I suppose, get a better understanding of what it's like to be out there. So we're challenging that too. And even, you don't have to cycle your whole way to work, that you can actually drive some of the way, take out your bike and cycle the rest of the way, park, park your car. So again, 
it's a healthy option. It's all about, uh, I suppose, doing your bit for the environment as well. And also, I suppose, uh, getting more people out there on the bikes and uh, increasing the number of people on, on the two wheels rather than four wheels. And we are blessed here in Cork in that we live in a beautiful part of the countryside and there are a lot of gorgeous scenic routes where people go out cycling, particularly at the weekends, particularly at this time of the year and the, and the nice weather at the moment. But inevitably, Noel, we will get complaints in from people saying that, yes, we do need to share the road, motorists and cyclists, but cyclists need to up their behaviour as well on the roads and be aware of cars behind them trying to overtake them, etc. Yes, but again, they're, they're good cyclists. They're bad cyclists. They're good drivers. They're bad drivers. And again, we can tear all motors with one brush or all cyclists with one brush. And there is responsibility. And no matter what form of transport we use on the road, whether you're walking, cycling or driving, that you have to respect other road users. So that has to, I suppose, go through as well to the cyclists as well, that uh, we all respect each other on the road. Uh, and I think we need to understand as well as for why cyclists cy- cycle to abreast. They're legally, uh, legally can cycle to abreast. But also, if you cycle in single file, there is much more likelihood that a car will try and squeeze by you, even if there's an oncoming car. And uh, a scrape on your bumper would mean someone is fatally injured or someone left in a wheelchair for the rest of their life. So it mightn't seem much to you that if you tip someone on a bike with your car, you put a scrape on it, but it could leave someone uh, fatally injured or left in a wheelchair. So that's why cycles cycle to abreast. But then again, you need to be conscious as well of if there is a bit of a traffic, that uh, whether it's safe to do so, just think of file out and let traffic proceed. Okay, some of our listeners uh, commenting on this. Ruth, Ruth makes the point that uh, when she was growing up in the 70s, we all cycled to school. You rarely see children cycling to school today. Uh, would your guest, our guest is uh, Noel Gibbons, who's Road Safety Officer of Mayor County Council, would he be encouraging children to cycle to school? Yes, um, and part of that is the Cycling Ireland deliver a cycling training programme to all schools or offered to all schools throughout uh, Ireland and not all schools take it up. So that was, what that involves is a six-week programme where they actually train children how to cycle, develop the skills and they may not maybe use the, this, these skills uh, straight away, they may not be cycling to school but these, these will, I suppose, grow into um, teenagers and then they can actually use these skills again when they go to college if they want to use a bike whatever in whatever city they have so they actually know how to interact with cars and traffic. So it's a very, very important part and programme that's delivered to schools which are funded by, by Cycling Ireland to all schools throughout Ireland. So we would encourage all schools to uh, uptake this programme so it would uh, encourage children to get out and cycle and more children could cycle safely to school. Pat in Fomoy was on to us earlier when I mentioned you were coming on. He thinks it should be compulsory that cyclists cycle in single file on the road. Yeah, no, I, I suppose I just explained in there that the whole purpose of it, uh, single file is the most dangerous thing to do there. One part of the, of the skills is that we teach cyclists to keep out from the verge so that it's, it's not an invitation then for cars to squeeze by mm. at maybe 80 kilometres an hour, uh, about two inches away from you on your bike or your child. So if you have, have a cycling to, to abreast, it means cars have to slow down and overtake this, you as, as a slow-moving vehicle, as this do have to do whether it was a tractor or a car and caravan or car and trailer, same thing could only overtake when it's safe to do so. Not when there's a car coming towards them and they're squeezing by you. And even one small uh, wobble on the bike could mean that you could fall out in front of the car. 
Okay, Mary Dumanway says there are cyclists on the road as there are bad drivers. There are good and bad cyclists on the road as there are good and bad drivers. If I hit a cyclist, says Mary, they can sue me. But motorists have no comeback, so I feel cyclists should have the same rules as motorists. Penalty points should apply also for uh, cyclists. You can get fined, though, can't you, Noel? There are fines on spot fines for cyclists. So, uh, again, we want to go out on a positive message this week that it's about encouraging people out without, uh, I suppose, creating a diminuous uh, yeah. society. And, and uh, a majority of cyclists do have insurance. They're, they were cycling Ireland insurance, so they're a covered third party. But again, that's not uh, an essential uh, that you have to have insurance. But a majority of cyclists would have insurance. But uh, what we need to do is, I suppose, create an environment out there that, that we encourage all road users, whether you want to cycle or drive, that uh, we're sharing this. It's all about sharing the road. Okay, and Tim in Bishopstown says, what does Noel think of the cy- of cycle lanes? Uh, Tim says, I was on the continent last month and the majority of cycle lanes are separate from the motor roadway. Would that not be safer? Rather than having cycle lanes running alongside cars or trucks, some of the cities in the Netherlands, for example, much safer to cycle. They have a ditch or a wall between the cyclists and the motorways. We're a long way, certainly, behind the Netherlands, and Noel, when it comes to cycling. We are indeed, and uh, 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 a white line painted the road is, is not going to make much, much safer for the cyclists. So it's definitely something that has to be developed in the future, is, is to segregate the cyclists from the from the roadway. Uh, we're blessed, I suppose, in some parts of the uh, country where we have uh, greenways and cycleways, but that isn't always a, an option where if you're commuting and out to work, the greenway mightn't be running in your direction. So you have to share the, the roadway with uh, motorists. So we need to uh, educate both the cyclists and the motorists on how to share the space. Okay, stay safe. That's what it's all about and sharing the road. Okay, we'll leave it there, Noel. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Bye bye. That is uh, Noel Gibbons, who is Road Safety Officer with Mayo County Council. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Trisha, I was watching last night's programme on Lyme's disease. You get Lyme's disease as a result of ticks, which can be found on trees. Isn't it frightening when the government are planning to pl- plant uh, so many trees? I that Lyme's disease, Lyme's disease, by the way, is a dreadful, dreadful condition. And I think what makes it worse is for trying to get a diagnosis can be difficult. You can have people who have been sick with Lyme's disease to the point of where they thought they were going mad because they could never. The doctors could never find anything wrong with them. Then they eventually got diagnosed with Lyme disease. And then it just seems to take ages in order to get a cure and to get over it. And I, I don't, or do you get over it? Do you live with it for life? I don't know. But yes, that listener is right. It, it does come from uh, ticks. There was a programme on Lyme's disease. I remember seeing it on RT. Was that a repeat then that they showed last night? Anyway, a listener saw it last night. I don't know if it's the one that I saw before because the one I saw before was quite frightening as well or if it's a new one but uh, a listener says that it's quite frightening actually talking of programmes I don't have the details in with me now because I, I'll be doing more work on it tonight it's a programme that's going to be on TV tonight at and I get John Paul to confirm this I think it's at half past seven on RTE tonight and it is a programme that featured the weekend last year where all the survivors of the Magdalene laundries were all brought back to Dublin and they were honoured in Dublin and they went to meet the president in Oris on Uchtaron, and there was a number of other different events which took place. And for many of the women, it was their first time meeting other 
Magdalene survivors, you know, because they all went off and went on to lead their own lives. And uh, many of them never stayed in contact because they didn't have names for a lot of them. So they didn't stay in contact with some of the other girls that they would have lived in very close confines uh, with. For others, they were survivors of Magdalene Laundries who had never spoken to anyone about the fact that they were so ashamed that they had been in a Magdalene laundry and some of the women had gone into those laundries because they came out of orphanages. That's the only reason they were and they'd ended up in an orphanage because of family circumstances. Often it was a parent had died and the other parent couldn't cope with the children and there was poverty and some families were too large so the local cruelty man as he was known would come and pluck up a few kids and go you've too many there Mrs. We'll take some of them to the orphanage and and we know God don't we know we learnt afterwards the dreadful cruelty in a lot of those orphanages and some of those girls went on to end up in the Magdalene laundries I mean we would have spoken with them over the years who said the nuns needed workers they needed people not even I, you can't even say cheap workers free workers these girls, girls and women never ever got paid and it's only in the last number of years that the truth has come out about the Magdalene Laundries. But those, a lot of those women still live with the shame as if it was their fault that they were put in, in a Magdalene Laundry. Now, some of the girls that did go into the Magdalene Laundries had given birth outside of wedlock, as it was known at the time. And there was no, now in, there was no shame in it. But at the time, it was a dreadful shame. And they lived with that. And that's why they were known as, you know, Magdalene's. But but it was it's one of our dark, dark parts of our history of this country. But this wonderful weekend was organised to honour the survivors of the Magdalene Laundry. And there was a television programme made to go with it. And we get to see the television programme tonight. As I say, I think it's at half past seven on RTE1. And we're going to talk about it tomorrow. I'm going to let people, give people the chance to see the programme tonight. I think it's called Coming Home. So you can watch it tonight and then we will um, talk about it tomorrow because Nora Casey, who we've spoken with before in the programme, I think with regard to the programme, 7 o'clock, my apologies, coming home. It's at uh, 7 o'clock on RTE1, so it'll be after the news. Uh, Nora Casey, the who was one of the dragons from the Dragon's Den, she was instrumental in getting this weekend together. She was instrumental in honouring the the Magdalene women and uh, so she's going to talk to us tomorrow on the programme but keep a lookout for that programme tonight please as I say it is at 7pm on RTE and we will talk about it tomorrow and we very much will welcome your thoughts and comments having watched the programme tonight on cycling let me see some of your thoughts coming in uh, oh, before we get to that uh, gender neutral Pat in for Moy to me this is about having a gender neutral toilet in a school that's been suggested for the school in Greystones where they're allowing the uniforms to be gender neutral as well whatever a little boy or girl identifies with they can wear the uniform form of their choice be it the pinafore for the girls and the trousers for the boys if a girl wants to wear the trousers and a boy wants to wear the, tr- the pinafore they can Pat says to me a gender neutral toilet is a girl's toilet that boys can go into. I would not like my daughter going into a gender neutral toilet. As every fella knows, if you go into a man, men's toilet in a pub, they're filthy, says Pat. So I wouldn't like my daughter going into something like that. You can be as PC as you want, but when it comes down to it, I 
This is Pat as a man saying, wouldn't trust any other fella, especially when it comes to Brian's, uh, to Pat's daughter. He would not want his daughter going into a gender neutral toilet. Now, Brian was on to us. This He's a healthcare worker. This is the strike that we now know is going ahead tomorrow. Brian says it is going to cause a lot of problems already, a lot of Appointments have been cancelled and procedures are not going to go ahead tomorrow. Brian says, I don't hear much from the government or the health minister about tomorrow's strike. When the bankers went bust, they didn't need to stand on the streets to get what they wanted. Those people that broke the country got everything. But us health workers are forced out onto the picket line to protest in order to try to get what we deserve. I would love to hear if there are any local politicians listening to your programme this morning, what they make of what is going on tomorrow. Yeah, and there there are going, there's a huge amount, there'll be a huge amount of knock-ons to to tomorrow's strike as well because appointments that will have been cancelled will have to be rescheduled and people who are waiting on procedures and only the scopes and there will be many people waiting on those scopes and you know the appointment then suddenly get cancelled is so disappointing for the patient uh, as well but there's a a lot of health workers will be out on strike tomorrow no doubt we'll hear a lot more about it on on the programme tomorrow as that strike uh, unfolds on cycling Joe in Dunhamore says that surely all bicycles need tax and insurance. So many people, I have to say, are saying that. Dave in Kinsale is another one. Says, if I put a car on the road, I need tax uh, insurance, tax and insurance or I'm not allowed onto the road. I feel anybody who's out on the public road, they should have insurance. So the same rule should apply for, for everyone. And it kind of ties in with National Bike Week. It's about sharing the road. They're trying to get that message across to people that we all need to share the road. So what the number of listeners are saying, well, if we're sharing the road, it should be even Stevens when it comes to how much you pay to share the road. Somebody behind the wheel of a car or any other kind of a vehicle will have paid tax and insurance and will have to have NCTs and make sure that their car is up to scratch. So the the thought pattern being should it not be the same for the uh, cyclists. Micah says, Hi Patricia, of course all bicycles should have a registration plate plus tax discs and a minimum of a €10 road tax. It might sharpen up their respect for the motor car behind them. Kathleen says, try keeping the distance that they're talking about from a cyclist in the Beira area. If you try to do it, says Kathleen, you'll end up in the opposite fence. Hi Trish, says another texter. I saw 12 cyclists that were going in single file, but in groups of six in a row. This is too long to overtake safely. Surely they should, should not go in groups of three and uh, over. Yeah, because if you're overtaking one cyclist, it can be nerve-wracking enough. But if you have a group of six all in a line, and I'm assuming you're doing a single file all in a line, even though I was interested here, no, no given saying single file is not the way to go. They always say to cyclists, go two abreast, because if you're single file, it might two abreast uh, the the cars will think as they're overtaken but with single file they reckon that they get too close but yeah I know the point you're making if you're behind 12 cyclists and there's a big long line of single file cyclists it can be next to or almost impossible to overtake them 1850 John Paul taking your calls text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Full and part-time staff are required. It's for a busy bar in Mallow Town Centre. Fluent English and good communication skills required. A rigid tipper driver 
is wanted. It's based out of Mallow, while a minibus driver is wanted to cover a school run from now until the end of July. D1 licensed driver's cards and Garda vetting. And experienced electricians for shutdowns in a pharma plant. All applicants must hold a valid trade certificate, manual handling and safe pass. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now, let's see if we can help a listener track down a person who she knew when she was a child. Maureen Considine joins me on behalf of another lady to share the story, which does have a Mallow connection. Good morning to you, Maureen. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and, and you, well, you're welcome. You're trying to track down a woman called Geraldine, who was married in Mallow on the 27th of May, 1976. What do you know about Geraldine so far? So what we know is that Geraldine had a connection to the children's home in Mallow, the one that was run by the Mercy Order. Um, we think she actually worked there. Okay. But we know for definite that she took this um, this woman who's trying to find her, Vera, she took her out as a child on day trips and um, was really good to her and very kind to her. So we, we think that she worked there, but if she didn't work there, she certainly had a strong connection to the home in, in so far as she was allowed to bring children out for the day. Which was um, commonplace. There was a lot of families yeah. did that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, she actually had um, Vera, this lady, as a flower girl on the day of her wedding. And we have a photograph of that. And um, Vera was very young when this all occurred. And she does remember Geraldine, but... Um, when we went about getting some of Vera's records to understand her early life, um, Geraldine seemed to come up um, time and time again in her records. So she obviously cared deeply about her as far as we're concerned. And um, Vera would love to connect with her just to um, talk about her early childhood and how things were. Um, We think that um, Geraldine um, and her husband both, both were making an effort to have more contact with Vera but um, eventually Vera got a different foster home, so um, she didn't see them again, but she would love to see them again. She really would. And Vera is not in the Mallow area anymore, I take it, is she not? No, she's no. in the city. But, oh, she's um, in the city, okay, she's close enough. Yeah. Do we do do we think Geraldine stayed in Mallow when she got married? Um, we do, but we're not we're not 100% sure, but we do think she stayed there. Um, we, we just... Vera would know other people from her time in the children's home and some of them mentioned that um, that they thought Geraldine did stay um, and remain living in Mallow. So we'd be very hopeful that she's still around. And the man, she, the man she married, do we know? Do we have a name for him? We don't have his name, no. unfortunately, no. Um, he is in that photograph and they, and they certainly look a very happy couple and very kind couple as, as they stand with the, um, the flower girl and the page boy. Who is um, who is Vera? Who is now what yeah. in what age is Vera now? She's about fifty about now. About fifty so now. Okay, I, so, uh, so she's going to be about seventy. Yeah. So what, what is she in in that photograph? Is she about six or seven in that photograph. Yeah. She's, yeah. She's, she's just knocking on seven there. Yeah. Who's photograph. the and little? She's actually kept it for the last forty-three years. Yeah. You know? That's what's really yeah. sweet about yeah. the story. Yeah. Do we know who the little boy is in the the page um, boy? Vera thinks that his name is Sean. Was he also um, in the orphanage? She's not sure if he was in the one with her, or but she she certainly re- remembers him as a boy who was around at the time, you know. Um, so he was probably in there too, but we're not one hundred percent sure. 
And looking at the photograph, that's was that's St Mary's Church that's taken outside St Mary's Church oh, in Mallow yeah, yeah and, and yeah. It, it certainly looks like St Mary's Church uh, in Mallow and, and, and she is the date is definitely right is it 27th of May 1976 well I based that around thing, around um, notes in Vera's file because she did attend the wedding and there was a note made of that by one of the social workers that she had attended the wedding so I, okay. I based the date off, off the file notes but they could they could be out by a week Okay. And does Vera clearly remember the wedding day? Yeah, well, she remembers bits of it. Um, um, Vera has memory problems anyway, but um, she does remember bits of it. Um, And she certainly remembers Charlene's kindness. Um, And she thinks in her own mind that Charlene was working in there, but she's not sure. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. It is, it is, it is very possible. Yeah. Um, Okay, and you've 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 have you tried to make contact through the convent in Mallow that's still there? I know the orphanage is not there, but there there is there any records um, there? Would anybody know? We did we did uh, request for records, but it, it was the, the information was somewhat limited. Um, we we have state records and we also have records from the home. Um, so no, we we haven't gone directly through them, but. Um, Vera would know some some people and um, some nuns connected with the home, but I think they've all passed away, you know. And the era we're talking about when Vera was in the orphanage was during Sister Paul's. About, yeah, during Sister Paul's time, and Sister Claire was there also, and it was in the seventies, from about seventy one to seventy eight, seventy nine. When she was there. Is Sister Claire? You may is Sister Claire the Sister Claire that. Magella Moynihan spoke about last. Yes. She were heard this last weekend. She yeah, she's Sister Claire Capeless. She was originally, I think, from Kildallery or Kilbehany. She was the North Cork nun who seemingly was incredibly kind to the children. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's so that's the same Sister Claire. Okay, that's the yes. same Sister Claire. Okay, any, um, somebody saying, have you any surname for Geraldine? So we think that her maiden name was Kelly, but. We couldn't be we couldn't be a hundred percent sure about that. And if it was Kelly, it will have changed when she got married anyway. She'd be Geraldine something else, yeah, but she yeah, could have been yeah. so it could be the name could be Geraldine Kelly, who yeah. would have married in May of nineteen seventy six in Mallow, possibly in, in St Mary's uh, church, and we are assuming that Hubby was a Mallow man as well. Yeah. Yeah. But again, he, he he could have been from outside the area. Um, and that's about as much information as, as you have. Tell me a little bit about Vera and how her life panned out on leaving the orphanage, Maureen. Um, well, she, ha- she had a foster home and um, after about a year, she went to live at um, the Good Shepherd Convent in Cork City. And she lived there until she was an adult. And... Um, she went on to get work as a domestic cleaner and also a hotel cleaner and things like that. And um, how I got to know Vera is she lives in um, the same community where I grew up. So um, I know some other uh, people who are survivors of the homes from, from the work that I do and from growing up in that community. And one lady I had had to get her information asked me, would I talk to Vera and would I help her get her information too? And that's how we got to know each other. Has life been kind to Vera? Um, Vera is incredibly resilient. Um, I think that um, it's 
kind of a matter of her perspective, but she certainly um, does everything she can to keep herself happy and content. And um, she's quite um, adventurous. You know, she'll travel on her own up to Dublin and go. To, she loves going to camogie matches and things like that. Um, so she's done. She's done very well. And she did have when she was in the Good Shepherds. There was an, another nice family um, who who made a huge effort to bring her places and stuff like that as well. So she had. She has some very good memories and. She also has some questions, and uh, particularly about her early childhood, because the memory before the um, and that's one of the reasons why she'd love to be early. Has she bad memories as well, Maureen? Um, she does, but it's it, it's very difficult for her to go there. So yeah. um, I don't really have um, much to much to say about it. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to break her confidence. No, no, absolutely, there. absolutely. But, but Angie, she, when when she heard that lady, the, the Magella Magella Moynihan, yeah, the the Garda, um, the former Garda. She did have some memories around around listening to that. Did she? Yeah. Did she? Yeah. Does does do you know and does Vera know why she ended up in the orphanage in Mallow? Um, she does. Yeah. Um, her um, her family had um, health problems that meant that they couldn't care for her as well as they should have been able to. Um, and um, that's that's basically what happened. Um, she was taken into care. Has she siblings? She does, and she's met all of them, and she's, you know, she's done, uh, she's done very well for herself. She's connected with her family and, and met her siblings and things like that. But um, that that period of her early life was very much based in Mallow, and she was somewhat cut off from her family at that time, her, um, her birth family. So, again, people like Geraldine would have been very special to her at that time in her life. Okay, and that's, she just wants to, sort of fill in some of the gaps in this jigsaw of her early life and yeah. and she's hoping yeah. that Georgine will, will, will have that information. Okay. And I think I think she wants to thank her for showing her the kindness that she yeah. showed her and it was um it was a big deal to her. She looked forward to her visits with Geraldine and um being taken out on trips and stuff like that, you know. Oh, a kind person. Kind person yeah, was Geraldine. So so please God she's still somewhere in the Mallow area. And yeah. um, and somebody will know, or, or or somebody will hear this, and be able to get a message to her to say that uh, Vera is only up the road, and she'd love to spend some time with her. Yeah, and she'd love to meet that her for, for a chat. Okay, and we have all of your contact uh, details, uh, Maureen. Um, and you do a lot of this work, Maureen, do you? Um. Yeah. I. I kind of. Um. I suppose I came to this work through feminism, and then also just being from. Um, working class community on the north side of our city there's a um a lot of survivor community end up living in social housing and that kind of thing so you meet them you meet them all the time and um because i grew up there i was born in 82 um a lot of these women are like spare mothers or you know kind of aunties and um they look after you they looked after me when i was a kid and um, I'm trying to look after them now. Anyway, Would you have any of Magdalene Laundry survivors in your? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's um, that. That it was a an industrial school and Magdalene Laundry survivor who introduced me to the era, um, and and asked me to help her get her information. Um, are they Are they aware of the program on TV tonight? Yeah, yeah, they coming home. And, yeah. I, and I and I was asked Dublin Honours Magdalene's and it was. Electric. The atmosphere was. Were you at? There. Were you at it? I was there as a companion oh. to that lady, and um, and I I can't credit them enough. Um, it was amazing. It was it was so important to them to um, see that people 
believed them and accepted them and that there wasn't shame around it anymore. It re- it was really so special. Um, people in Dublin turned out in the streets to make sure that the women knew that they were accepted and they were believed and that, that they were valued. And um, the way that Dublin Honours the Magdalene actually hosted the women was very powerful too. There was um, a full police escort yeah. like you'd have for an ambassador through Dublin for the two days and they got a great buzz out of that because it was it was fun, you know, stopping all Dublin traffic to leave to leave the Magdalens through. They, they absolutely loved it. Yeah, because um, the these were women who, in their days of living in the Magdalen laundries, they felt they were the lowest of the low. You, you couldn't yeah, get any yeah. lower than what those yeah. women were made to feel. And suddenly yeah. here they were going into Orsanuktaron and then, you know, taken through the streets of Dublin with with full guard escort. Fantastic, fantastic. And being treated like the heroes that they are because, you know, I look at those women and I think, you know, my life is better because of what they survived and because they got through it and because they did speak out. You know, my life as a, as a young woman is better for it. So I'd be very grateful to them. That's a, that's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. And and one yeah. that's not that's not often uh, often verbalised. Well, well, well said. Uh, so I, so you'll be watching the programme tonight then with great interest. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll have it on record. We'll probably watch it about 50 hours. Good, but, good. Uh, yeah, it's fabulous. And we're going to, actually, Nora Casey, I don't know if you got to meet Nora across that weekend. Um, she's going to be joining us tomorrow to talk about it because she was actually oh, the part, she was the woman yeah. behind putting it all together. Uh, listen, Maureen, I really enjoyed my chat with you. Uh, we put it out there. Let's see if anybody knows Geraldine from Mallow. Got married May uh, 1976 and uh, that Vera wants to make contact uh, thanks for that Maureen and um, we'll be in contact God bless mind thank yourself bye bye Maureen bye-bye. Considine there joining us from the city now, to mark the 40th anniversary of the Charleville Agricultural Show the local Heritage Society are hosting a pop-up museum which uh, features the people and the places of historical in- interest that have shaped the town through the years joining me is the chairman of the Charleville uh, Heritage Society Society that's Councillor Ian Doyle and also on the line I'll speak with in a couple of minutes uh, Kieran Brennan who is with the Thomas Davis uh, Pipe Band but Ian Doyle joins me first. Good morning to you Ian. Morning Patricia, um, how are you? I'm very well. Can you outline first what will be on display at your pop-up museum this weekend? Yeah well this weekend to mark the 40th anniversary of Charles Show uh, Patricia um, with the Heritage Society we, we've set up a pop-up museum whereby in, for the last eight years we've had festivals of history uh, dedicated to people that were associated with Charleville, like Archbishop Mannix and uh, Eliza Lynch and Professor Dan Binchy and those. So we have a, a huge display of all their lives and the, and the, the details of their lives, plus De Valera. Um, we have the Mercy Heritage Society as well, which they have a huge heritage centre here in Charleville, and they will be displaying some of their wares. And we also have a lot of items donated in, in connection with the Charleville and uh, that will be on display as well on the, on the pop-up museum. Now, that is in conjunction with, we, about three years ago, we twinned with Chris Cook Heritage Society in Wales. And uh, Michael McGrath, Michael Dunnigan, uh, and a couple of more of us and the nuns went over last year to visit them, and we invited them back to the show. So lo and behold, they're actually coming to our show this year. And, and bringing with and, them a big brass and bringing, band. And bringing <laughs> with them, yeah, exactly. One of the, one of the ladies associated with the twinning uh, is a mother of the Goodwick Brass Band, which is a famous Welsh band which have won many national competitions, both in Wales and in the British Isles. 
and they are actually a 50 strong band that are, are coming over for the weekend as well and they're going to be performing at the show so and they're performing on the Sunday uh, at the show and they're performing Sunday night with the Thomas Davis band uh, for a concert in the Park Hotel and they will also um, we're going to have a tour of the town on Saturday afternoon and they're going to perform in the plaza as well OK you mentioned the yeah. Thomas Davis band uh, Kieran yeah, Brennan is on the other line right. uh, right. and he's with the with the Thomas Davis band uh, he joins me I'll just put you back on hold there for a second uh, Ian because it's a bit windy where you are good morning to you Kieran. Good morning, Patricia. Okay, what, what can we expect at this concert, uh, which is on Saturday night? Is this this weekend? Uh, the, con- the concert is on the, the Sunday night. Sunday so night, we, sorry, Sunday we'll night. We'll be performing ourselves on the, the Saturday at the, the agricultural show, and the, the Gold Band will be performing at the show on Sunday. Then on the Sunday night at 8 o'clock in Charleville Park, there'll be the, the concert. So we've actually, we were just talking with, with Mike McGrath, and we're, we're invited guests, so as you know, we're we're starting to make a comeback ourselves at the band, so we'll be doing just one or two songs with them, but it'll largely be their the brass band show, and we'd be their their invited guests. But it should be it should be a great night if anyone has seen any of the the videos and on, on, online from the band. I mean, the, yeah, the the Goodwick uh, brass band. I mean, they're going many years. I mean, they were they were formed back in the early nineteen uh, hundreds. They're they're a big band. They are very much so. They were they were formed and they're they're they. They survived a long time, but they were disbanded and then they were revived again. But they have, let's say, there's there's three different groups. They have the the youth side of it. They have a senior band which would compete, and they have a community band as well. So we'd be we'd be a community band ourselves, so we mm. relate to them in that that aspect. But they're they've competed internationally and they've been very very successful. So and, and how are, how are the Thomas Davis um, band getting on? Are you always looking for new members? Uh, always looking for new new members. We've uh, we we were quite over the last few years, but if anybody saw the, the parades now in Mallow over yeah. the last couple of days, couple of years, we've we've started to make a, a strong comeback. So we're we're really really looking to get more members in, and it's great. You know, there's there's free free training, and you know you get all the practice, all the equipment is provided, and it's it's great to support the community really. And we're our bagpipes. So really are they very hard to learn how to play? They are. They're difficult. They're not the easiest instrument to, to learn to play. But I, I myself have been playing for the last two years. I've never had any any musical note or okay. ever. And I, I've come on an awful lot because the training is there. And if you put in the training yourself, then it's you know you can practice makes perfect, really. Now, and I, and I say this in the nicest possible way. Do you need a very understanding and patient family to listen to you? Very much so. I, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed that I'm living in the countryside. But. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> and then when you join a band like that, uh, Kieran, how much kind of a commitment do you have to give? Well, we'd we'd always be meeting. We'd meet every week, one, once one night of the week. But, you know, depending on your own ability, you, you'd really want to be practising a lot as well when you're, when you're at home. And uh, But the, the one night a week, you know, we've... We've come a, come a long way. We used to just do the, we'd say the parade and the, the Corpus Christi procession, but now we're, we'd say this year we're hoping to be down at Puck Fair and to, well to Rose of Tralee and again, Charlotte Agriculture Show. We actually met Mike out at the, the Cork Race Course, the Garden Festival, so we're, um, we're really starting to, to make a comeback. And That's terrific. To, and, and looking, for, and looking forward to being, you know, being on the same bill as a big brass band like the one coming over from, from Wales. Absolutely. So we're really looking forward to that. It's a great opportunity for ourselves and to you know, make some international connections. I know they're Carnival's 
Charlo's Twins Town, but it's uh, it'll be great for ourselves as well. Well done, well done, well done, well, 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 well enjoy it, Kieran, and uh, thanks thanks for joining us. Perfect. Uh, Thank you. G- good morning to you. Let me bring back in uh, Councillor uh, Ian Doyle. Are tickets on sale for that um, they, they concert? Are, for, the, for the concert, they are for sale, but they're also for sale on the night, uh, Patricia. Yeah. Okay. And, um, from a show from a show point of view, we're looking forward to the the Thomas Davis Press Band playing or White Band playing in charge of the show as well, of course, on the Saturday, you know, so it's a great weekend of, of music in charge. Yeah. And yeah. would you, dip, I'm really interested in your pop-up museum. Would you like, yes. would you love to see eventually to have a permanent well, museum in charge yeah, of it? Love to, that's our whole idea, Patricia, and hopefully long term down along the road, our old courthouse there, which is in the middle of the town, that will be, um, it's been taken over, the bottom of it has been taken over now by the men's shed, and hopefully we will have a permanent museum in the in town centre at some stage. There's huge work being done over the last eight years, and there's a huge interest in heritage, I yeah. suppose, nation, nationally as well, you know, and, and it's great. We also, I mean, we'd have to mention the heritage centre in the in the Macaulay House, in the Macaulay Convent. It's unbelievable. Have you been there, Patricia? I have, yeah, I it's have, fantastic. yeah. It's, it's unreal, yeah. unreal. Unbelievable, yeah, fantastic. You know, so that, yeah, there's a huge development of history where we're trying to develop a, a Roger Boyle heritage trail starting and finishing in Charles. In fact, we're on our way to y'all now at the minute to go down to the Collegial Chapel. And, um, yeah, so hopefully everything is good for the heritage. I mean, and, and we, we, we have to look after all of these artefacts for the future generation because we we're, we're leaving them behind and we don't want we them have. looking back saying, yes. what did they do did they do with everything? So it is, it's, it's like the opening of Donwell Court last weekend. Right. All of those are just so important but, for future but generations. Huge, yeah, and there's a huge interest in heritage yeah, and history yeah, as well. I there's agree. No about it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And we have, a, we have some tickets that we're going to give away in a couple of minutes to the Charleville right. uh, Agricultural uh, Show and... Which is, they, year, which is our 40th year, which is our 40th year. Which is fantastic. Yeah. And if the weather yeah. holds up, it, you're it, going yeah, to yeah. be blessed. We're going to be blessed. We yeah. are going to be blessed. Yeah. So, so Camille, yeah, you're yeah, on a bus going to y'all with the senior I'm citizens. I'm on a bus going to y'all. Now <laughs> we're bringing a few down to you, senior citizens down to y'all for a day or yes. Isn't yeah. that great? Yeah. Isn't yeah. that great? Yeah. Buy them all yeah. an ice cream and enjoy it. Yes, very good. Thanks <laughs> a million. Bye-bye, Ian. Bye-bye. That is Councillor Ian Doyle, who is not wearing his council hat, but wearing his hat as chairman of the Charleville Heritage Society. And as I mentioned, the organisers of the Charleville Agricultural Show, which is on this Saturday and Sunday, have very kindly given us two pairs of tickets to give away. We'll give them away now. What we'll do is by text uh, text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. As with any of these tickets when we give them away, if you are uh, free and available and really want to go to the show at the weekend, please enter because we we hate to see tickets go to waste. So if you want to go win a pair of tickets to the Charleville Agricultural Show, now is your chance. Text us 086 103 103 or you can WhatsApp us. We'll leave it open until news at 12. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. And then we will select two winners to win a pair of tickets to go along to the Agriculture Show in Charleville in its 40th year. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. By the way, just this keeps coming up on the programme and I've just spotted it in the middle of all the text messages that came in for for the tickets for the Charleville Agricultural Show. Uh, a listener in Kinsale is saying, Patricia, would you please consider doing a feature on making a will? Uh, who to contact any recommendations? It's been worrying me as I don't know where to turn for advice. And that keeps coming up. Every now and again, we keep getting calls in from people who are worried about their will, are worried about, more worried about the fact that they don't have a will and not knowing where to go, you know, not knowing who they should talk to, not knowing how they should formulate their will. So just to let you know, we are behind the scenes working on trying to get an expert to join us. And when we have it secure and we know when we're doing it, I will give advance notice to let people know and I'll give you the opportunity to get your questions in as well. So just to let people know, we haven't, we're not ignoring you when you're asking us to do something on wills. Uh, we are going to work, we are working on it as we speak. OK, the Charlie of a show winners. And by the way, massive reaction to people wanting to go along to the Charlie of a show and some lovely texts in from people to say they have gone year after year after year. It's the 40th year of the Charlie of a show this weekend and people saying that it's a fantastic day out for all of the family and there's something to do for all age groups and sure, what more would you want on a day out but to keep everybody happy from the smallies right up to the grannies. So the winners, we have two pairs of tickets. Noel McSweeney in Knocknagree. Congratulations to you, Noel, And Cathy Lenahan in Whelan. Congratulations to you, Cathy. Both winning a pair of tickets and the show is on this weekend. And but something else that's on this weekend that I want to give a message to or give a quick mention to because it sounds like a, a wonderful, uh, lovely night out and it is in aid of the ongoing fundraising that's going on to develop St. George's Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown. So they are hosting on this Saturday night what is called a wine goose chase. Well, it's a barbecue and a wine goose chase. It's a delightfully amusing and entertaining show of wine tasting and history. And they're throwing a barbecue into into the mix as well. The wine goose chase, by the way, is at a very successful sellout run at the Dublin Fringe Festival. And it's been touring ever since. It is being written and performed by a lady by the name of Susan Boyle. And it's coming to Mitchellstown for one night only this Saturday and all the wine used in the show has an Irish connection to it and they're just putting a slight twist on it for the Mitchellstown one by incorporating a barbecue as well which will use all locally produced food and all in ticket is for €25 and as I say it's been used as a fundraiser for the St George's Art and Heritage Centre and I'm delighted to hear from Bill Power that work has already began on 
on the old church which is fantastic and public support has really been uh, great but it's terrific to hear that work has begun and is continuing and you know long long may it continue until it eventually gets up and running and by the way Longerville House is sponsoring the brandy as part of this wine goose chase on next uh, Saturday night so tickets available locally in the Mitchellstown area are from Bill Power or any of the guys and gals behind the St George's Arts and Heritage Centre. We wish them luck with that and that's happening on Saturday night. Now let me catch up on some more of your thoughts and comments coming into the programme. Some of your texts coming in. I mentioned that awful case that's all over the papers today of the, the rapist a guy by the name of Patrick Nevin, nasty, nasty piece of work, this man, who carried out a string of sex attacks and he used the Tinder app. He was jailed yesterday for 12 years and now this particular case has led to a call for all sex offenders to be banned from using online dating apps for life. By the way, when Patrick Nevin was jailed yesterday. He is, it's, it was also announced that he is to, after his 12 years, but you know, he won't do 12 years. We know that he'll get out after, I suppose with good behaviour, he'll get a third, is it, is it after a quarter? The, the, he'll probably be out after nine years, maybe anyway. He, he has promised he has to undergo five years of post-release supervision on condition he refrains from personal contacts through the internet and dating agencies. But that's, it's, he has to refrain from, he's not banned that's something he has to agree to do he will also have to attend anger management and abstain from physical performance and bodybuilding substances because if you see any of the photographs he was obviously into bodybuilding and so the strength that this man had when he decided to sexually and physically abuse these women is is just shocking absolutely shocking but anyway that led me to talk about the whole thing about Tinder and you know do we need to look at these dating apps there is a good side to them because people have met and found love and have got married but this is the darker and the seedier side to it. As somebody said, somebody by Texas, thank God we had no Tinder in my day. We only had the dance halls like the Highland and at least we knew who we were meeting. There's too much technology now and absolutely no respect. That's from somebody uh, texting 0862 103 103. And also a text in from the... uh, I always get so sad when I see any text that says my daughter's been bullied or was uh, bullied and bullying very much, I think, been spoken about after the Anna Creasial case and what came out in court about poor old Anna and how she was endlessly bullied, endlessly bullied by her peers and her classmates. It was just awful. Her life was just miserable for the last couple of years before her dreadful, dreadful death. But a texter says, Patricia, and we'll give this out to see if anyone can offer advice as to where this lady can go. Can you or your listeners please help? My daughter was bullied at school. It was three years ago now. But with the last two years, she has been getting muscle spasms and joint locking with severe pain in her joints. That has led to what's been described as non- epilepsy seizures. We've been in and out of hospital with the last year. Patricia, these seizures are now taking over her life. She's just 17 years old. Do you know if there's anything she could take to help her control the seizures, followed by very bad tantrums? Uh, Thanking you. Isn't that dreadful? And I'm assuming that it's linked in some way 
to the bullying at school. The fact that that's mentioned uh, with it. Uh, does, has anybody come across that before? Has anybody heard of that before? Non-epilepsy seizures. But it starts out with muscle. It sounds so painful as well to have muscle spasms and then joints locking up with severe pain and then leading, leading on to seizures that, that the doctors have now said are not epileptic seizures. They're non-epilepsy seizures. I, what straight away pops to mind is CBD oil because and we were only talking about it yesterday when we had Annalise de Salam from the health from the health hub who does our nutritional gives our nutritional advice and she certainly has been having great results from CB, CBD oil now I know there we've we've dealt with lots of mums and dads in the past who whose children have gone on cannabis oil not just CBD oil but they need the the the, the THC which you can't get unless you have a licence for it. I'm wondering, is it worth going down, looking at that route and going down that route? I would suggest if you go into somebody like your, I don't know where you're texting from, if you're near Ballancolic, pop into Annalise at the Health Hub. She's just a mine of information and she certainly is having a lot of success with the CBD oil and the CBD oil you don't need a licence for. That is legal. You can buy that. You can, I mean, there's a lot of vape shops selling CBD oil now, but for what your daughter wants I would suggest going to somebody like you if you have a local health shop that does CBD oil it's it's a suggestion I, I, I don't know if it will work or not and in the meantime we've put it out over the radio now to see if anybody else has come across this non-epilepsy seizures it starts with muscle spasms joint locking and severe pain and she's just 17 and it is just taking over her life that is no no way for a 17 year old to lead to have to live her life and it does in some way is all linked to the bullying the awful bullying that she had at school which was about um, three years ago uh, 1850 John Paul is taking your calls if you want to text or WhatsApp as you can to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Ballonhasic Community Development Association, they're holding a fundraising, Kayleigh. It'll be on in the Marion Hall in Ballonhasic this Friday night. Music is by Kevin Lynch and dancing is from 9.45 until 12.30am and teas will be served. Different Strokes Art Exhibition, that's going on at the Kilkenny Design Studios in Shanagarry. It will open on Friday night, 7 o'clock. The exhibition runs for the month of July, seven days per week. Entry is free. The artwork is by artists who attend Phil Davis's classes at the Kilkenny Design Studios. All are very welcome to attend. You're pleased ask to support Bandon Country Markets Gardeners Question Time. That's this Saturday, 7 o'clock in the Allen Institute in Bandham. There'll be a great panel, including famous local organic gardeners, herbalists and Irish cut flower specialists, as well as the country market gardeners themselves. Family Day Out will be held at Co-Action Grounds in Bantry next Sunday. From 1 to 5, there'll be an animal corner, music, vintage cars, plus lots more entry-free for proceeds to Co-Action Bantry and the Bantry Bay Lions Club. And the Durris Craft Market uh, will be held every Monday in July, so it kicks off next Monday, and every Monday in July and August at Philip's Green, Philip Green's in Doris. 
every Monday from 11am to 3pm. And John by uh, text says, uh, Patricia, this is when I mentioned the Anna Creasial case, uh, says, uh, why did the court not protect Anna Creasial's images? Is it stating that her image is less important now that you, now that she is deceased, she was still a minor, says uh, John. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know the logic of your argument. Why would you be protecting Anna Creasial? Anna Creasial did nothing wrong. She was the victim. I think it's important that everybody saw her face, and I'm sure her family wanted her face and her images shown to to put a human face to Anna. Other than that, Anna would have just been a name on a piece of paper that none of us would have known that this was a young girl who was trying to live the best life that she could live, having come out of an orphanage in Russia and got a chance of a wonderful life with her parents here in in Ireland. And then for the way she was cruelly taken from her family, I wouldn't be hiding Anna. Anna should be on billboards all over the country to remember what happened to her and to remember that when young boys decide to become evil this is what this is what can happen I, I would see no reason why you would be hiding Anna she did nothing wrong absolutely nothing wrong the argument as to why you protect the young boys well that's that goes back to the way we protect children in this country that's a completely different argument and people will argue particularly after this case why that part of the legislation shouldn't be in place and then those will say no at the end of the day they were children and therefore because they're children they need to be protected but no I certainly wouldn't be advocating for people not to see Anna Creasial and the beautiful human being and young woman and the potential that she had and, and she will be I think etched in in our minds forever because of the photographs that the family so generously shared and allowed to be shared with the general public and with the uh, media. Uh, 1850 I'm kind of smirking as I'm reading this because I'm actually drinking a cup of coffee at the moment that I made for myself at, during the news at uh, 12. It seems experts have found that drinking a cup of coffee can actually stimulate what they're calling brown fat. And brown fat helps burns calories because this brown fat burns calories that generates body heat for us. It's a study that's come out from the School of Medicine at the University of Nottingham and they say that it's the first research to show how coffee has an impact on brown fat in humans. Now brown fat works in a very different way to other fat in our body and it produces heat by burning sugar and fat and it does that often in response to when you're feeling cold. Increasing its activity improves blood sugar control as well as improving blood lipid levels and the extra calories burnt, what does it do? It helps us to lose weight. It's the first study in humans to show that something like a cup of coffee can have a direct effect on our brown fat functions. The potential implications of the results, pretty big they tell us, as obesity we know is a major health concern for society that's all over the world and we also have a growing diabetes epidemic and brown fat could potentially be part of the solution to tackling that. Researchers are writing about their study in the scientific reports and they first used stem cells to see whether caffeine could stimulate brown fat. They then moved on to humans using a thermal imaging technique which traced the the body's brown fat reserves as they emitted heat. From their previous work, they knew that brown fat is mainly located in the neck region so they were able to image someone straight after they'd had a cup of coffee 
to see if the brown fat got hotter. And the results are very positive. So there you go. So if you are like me and you are a coffee fan, you can take a bit of comfort. Because you know, sometimes you, you read reports about coffee saying, oh, I need to cut down on my coffee. Coffee is bad for me and all of that. No, I suppose if you're drinking 10 cups of coffee a day, it's bad for you. But certainly having the odd few cups of coffee a day now. Here's another reason why it's good to include coffee. It is helping to burn calories. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And Joe Heffernan uh, joins us on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And today we're going to talk about a topic that is is getting a lot of traction. Uh, it's addiction, uh, but this time it's addiction to uh, cocaine. Mm. And I was talking with somebody recently who was talking about how easy it is to get cocaine nowadays. And he made the point that the good times are back because cocaine is everywhere. Right. Which is shocking to it is. In, in, in a statement in in itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's leading to addiction. It is, and uh, the thing is that I mean, <clears throat> whatever about all the newspaper stuff, and I I wouldn't normally know. Um, I wouldn't be a Sunday World customer, but I bought it last Sunday because they had an eight-page cutout about um, about cocaine and. Uh, uh, they were they they had this uh, sort of um, test that they could do on flat surfaces, um, in hotels, bars. Uh, God knows, I think one was a hospital, and um, you know, it was basically the headline was that Ireland is awash with cocaine, and um, it would be a lot easier to list the places. Uh, apparently, with this test that they did. Um, when you put it on a surface, it turned blue if there had been cocaine on that surface. And that even included, um, you know, there are shelves for baby changing. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, it, it it was startling. And it would have been an awful lot easier if you were making a list to make a list of the places where, where, the, where the test proved negative. It was everywhere. Now, they named the places and everything because they pointed out that um, the owners and managers of these premises would genuinely not want that going on at all. But that, you know, bar, I don't know what you could do, bar, you frisked everyone coming in and even that mightn't work. Um, that There was no way around it. And uh, like a couple... <coughs> A couple of, excuse me, a couple of young people that I would have been talking to who had got caught up in cocaine, um, in in my own work, like, without any need for, um, you know, the Sunday papers kind of thing. But they were telling me that it's everywhere. Um, that, uh, in fact, um, young men who had been caught up in this um, w- would have been finding it quite hard to avoid it. Because if they go um, to the pub for a pint um, kind of thing, um, that as sure as you're there, um, someone will be uh, using um, cocaine and uh, it'll be readily, absolutely readily available. And one of the points being made on that paper article was that, um, you know, between... (coughs) Excuse me again between social networks and messaging apps. Now, apparently, um, the dark web 
um, you know, encrypted uh, where where people know where to go on that, um, that the whole thing is regularly available. They even called it the Uberization um, of of drug dealing. And there was a picture on the the the, the Sunday World one of uh, this guy undercover, um, the um, reporter, uh, <clears throat> uh, saw this ad on the paper. Now, it was rather blatant, something like... Um, or like something like super snow available or something like that, but um, anyway, uh, he he made the phone call and was told not to bother. Um, uh, the uh, <clears throat> the uh, the the posting, whether it was on Facebook or what it was, was um, lovely green, lovely white, pure nose food, um, delivered discreetly, ring or text. Imagine just like oh my that. My God. And um, and he did, and this guy turned up, and <clears throat> they arranged to meet, and there's a photograph. No, they've they've uh, they, they've uh, you know uh, covered over the 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 faces um, and that of both the reporter and the dealer, and uh, no bother at all. Bag of cocaine, one hundred euro. Uh, you know, uh, ring me any time. Um, and uh, and 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 that was in the centre of Dublin near the GPO. But like, uh, you don't have to be in Dublin. You can be in Mallow, Kenturk, yeah. Newmarket. You can be in any village. Street. Yeah. And and I'm, like this isn't this isn't news. It just seems the, the, uh, from what anything you're reading at the moment or hearing about it just seems to be a wash at the moment but I remember like back in and, and I checked the date on this it was primetime investigates did a programme and it was back actually in 2007 mm. I couldn't believe it was that long ago at that stage they were saying that there was so much recreational drugs around Ireland that they decided to do their own investigation and similar to what you're talking about now they went I think they picked a thousand venues around the country and they did swabs in the toilets just to see oh, how much right. how much cocaine but they decided themselves they swabbed the toilet cisterns in Donnybrook in their, their own RT's headquarters and their their own ones turned out to have traces of cocaine on it which they were quite shocked about yeah. so it was yeah. just, you know it's just it's everywhere it's, it's, it's everywhere it's, it's, it's and, everywhere um, you know you have um, <clears throat> which I think is a good thing um, you know Christy Moore never hid the fact that he had a problem with the old alcohol and sure we all understood it and that and he had uh, you know gone the correct road out of it and given it up and fair play to him but I mean very recently now he decided to share that he had been as he put it himself familiar with cocaine and um, do you know uh, a brave thing to do mm. um, he he I, I think it was his brother, he said. Um, no, as far as I know, that probably would be Luca Bloom. Luca Bloom, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that kind of, more or less, said to him to cop himself on. And, um, and, uh, and, and he stopped using it. And um, I, I think that kind of sharing is noble and good um, because it kind of takes the stigma out of it in a way. I mean, you know... Uh, everybody didn't say, oh, what a terrible person. I mean, I genuinely would be saying, what a good person, mm. um, you know, to, to, to share that. Um, and uh, that, you know, 
then you, you, you get other opinions from high-profile people. I, I don't know what to make of a long Eamon Dunphy interview where he said that cocaine should be legalised. Personally, I think that's that. But, but you see, you've got the argument. You'll have some people saying, oh, it's a recreational drug. There's nothing wrong with it. People can go out on the weekend and have their few lines of cocaine and they're fine. And then you have the other side of it where, the, uh, and, and people you will deal with in C are the people who get addicted to cocaine. And there yeah. was only recently, it was only May of this year, there was a self-funded survey uh, of illegal drug use in countries right across the world uh, and they included Ireland in it and they found that 54% of Irish respondents who had used cocaine, 54% said that they need, they want to use less next year and 14% admitted, we ne- I need help with this. You know, so there, yeah. are, there are people taking it, initially believing, oh, this is just recreation, it's a party drug, I'll be fine. And there are a lot of people getting into problems with it. Oh, Absolutely. Without without question, I mean the um, the 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 initial effects is um, a very short, maybe fifteen minutes intense high, and then that's followed by an intense depression, edginess, and craving for more of the drug. Um, you know, and I I come across this, and um, uh, you know, people's lives are. Uh, very, very, very adversely affected, and people have no appetite, poor sleep, <clears throat> apparently increased heart rate, muscle spasms, convulsions. But the big ones, I think, are paranoia, anger, hostility, and anxiety. And like that doesn't sound like a good cocktail for living. No, absolutely. You know, there's a there's a huge, huge downside. Um, I would be talking with Sister Agnes um, quite regularly um, in, uh, in in Brewery. Brewery. And, um, you know, the, the amount of the, the percentage of people presenting for treatment <clears throat> where their primary problem is with cocaine would be quite high. Now, the only thing we were talking about only recently was that she was saying one good thing is that the um, the the detox time for cocaine is shorter than many other kind of drugs. Okay. So there's, I mean, uh, if a person um, presents for treatment and they 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 go into the the, the detox unit that. Um, I'll put it this way, like in layman's terms, it's out of the system a little bit quicker than other things. Uh, yeah, so they, they'll recover faster, almost if recovery is the word you use. Well, the withdrawal period would be would be shorter and, and, um, and, and that would be um, a, a, a big plus, like for someone who, who wanted to get off it. Whereas, for example, the more the likes of the benzodiazepines i mean the the withdrawal period would be very long very difficult and um and of course all of them would want to be done under under, under medical supervision but <clears throat> the way things are happening in ireland is apparently we've one of the biggest cocaine consumption problem um in the eu um we're we're at the very high end of cocaine usage, apparently with um, S- Spain, uh, England, uh, well, the UK anyway, um, Italy, 
and then Ireland and Denmark. And we're one of the most expensive, it seems, for, oh, right. for, for the cocaine. Okay. And, and people may remember Katie French, that beautiful oh, Irish yes. ma- Irish model. That was, um, <clears throat> I had to check when she died, actually, that's um, 12 years ago uh, when she passed away. And of course, that was as a result of cocaine use. And that sort of brought yeah. a lot of focus onto the use of cocaine because it was, you know, really popular, if popular is the right word, uh, at, at the time. And now we seem to be back. We've forgotten about the Katie Frenches, unfortunately. Her death has been forgotten about. And, you know, people in treatment centres are saying they haven't seen such a spike in cocaine addiction since the Celtic Tiger years. And I'm wondering, is that tied in with the economy is on the upturn? Because it's not a cheap drug. So it's because more people are out of work. And unfortunately, is this the downside to it? Well, apparently, yes. And... I mean, in 2017, I, I found this amazing, like um, 140 tonnes of cocaine were seized in Europe. That was the biggest ever haul. 140 tonnes. Wow. Now, that's what got um, uh, discovered, uh, found, confiscated. And if one assumes that there's more getting through than there is being... Um, uh, confiscated, found um, that um, well then, I mean, you're talking tonnage, imagine 140 tonnes seized in Europe Um, and uh, the profiles then of people using is that apparently uh, 8 out of every 10 cocaine users seeking help uh, are men and the uh, the average age of first use um, uh, when when people were asked um, was twenty, um, and and that the cocaine usage has increased one hundred percent in recent years. So this is an epidemic now. This is a real yeah. real big problem. Yeah, and and while you'll you know people will talk about it being a party drug and all, all that. It's not often that you hear people talk about the struggles of, of addiction and the destruction of families and, you know, the implications of doing cocaine. Absolutely. And and psychotic episodes, which can follow the anxiety, the paranoia. Um, and I, I mean, the, 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 I, I, I wish that that kind of term recreational drug use yeah. would, um, would, would... It's would misleading. Be. It's very misleading. It is. It, it is. is. Uh, Seamus says, Patricia, cocaine is a drug. It's addictive, end of. Yeah. And it's not good. It's better described as Satan's sweets, says uh, Seamus. I haven't heard it described as that, but it's a good, it certainly is a, is a good description. What, what, what was that? He, he described it as, it's better described as Satan's sweets. Right. That's what he right. described it as. Yeah. And if you have parents listening, Joe, who are worried, because that's always the worry for yes. parents of young people, they're heading out at the weekend, and you, I mean, you know, they're not going to tell you what they're doing. What do parents look out for? What should they be talking to their young people about? What's the advice? Well, this kind of edginess, um, uh, unexpected anger, um, uh, bits of changes in personality, um, someone who was into training with a team and all of that and who has given it up. Uh, any, any of that kind of changes are, are worth um, chatting about. But <clears throat> this very programme now today, like, is an excuse for parents to kind of say, do you know what I was hearing today um, on the C103? Um, 
about cocaine that apparently it's um it's 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 everywhere and um you know and i i mean in a in a conversational way there can't be anything wrong with saying you know have have you come across that kind of um thing uh, yourself or? get the conversation going exactly yeah. that's a good way it gets the conversation going in a kind of um <laughs> in a non-threatening way like it's not no I want to talk to you about something it's like do you know what I heard them talking about on the radio and um, you know uh, you know and to, uh, I'd say a lot of people would be expressing genuine surprise um, about the amount of, um, uh, of of cocaine use in Ireland and yeah so once the conversation gets going um, because um, you know people it's not all fun and games. I mean, people can finish up with um, erratic, violent behaviour. Um, <clears throat> you have, I'm not suggesting for one moment that this had anything to do with the offender, uh, but, you know, you, you, you have stabbings, you have a person who goes on a holiday with family, uh, and then these horrendous, awful things happen. And, you know, <clears throat> I'm not referring to that particular case at all, but in general, I mean, cocaine brings on violent behaviour. Um, people can get very um, hyper-excited, irritable. Um, they can have hallucinations. Uh, they can suffer from anxiety, paranoia, like everyone is against me. Um, uh, suspicion with friends, um, you know, what did he say? Um, I don't like that. Um, and there can be psychosis. Um, there, there can be convulsions. There can be seizures. And these are real. I mean, these are not kind of makey-uppy um, by do-gooders like trying to say, no, don't use cocaine. These are actual facts um, of people presenting in hospitals and in treatment centres. Um, you know, and there can be there can be permanent damage. Um, there, there can be very high blood pressure leading to heart attacks or strokes. There can be liver, kidney, and lung damage. Um, uh, we've all heard about the destruction of uh, the nasal septum um, from snorting, sniffing coke. Um, that, that, that's been <clears throat> that's been documented for a long, long time. Um, so that, like, um, it's 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 a really, really, really serious thing, and it's not a fun thing, and and it's definitely not recreational. You yeah, know. yeah, just get that conversation going. And actually, a really good website is is spunout.ie. Right. And they actually have a set, it's for young people, but they have a section on it um, on drugs, you know, where they talk about, you know, you've heard all, they're aiming it at young people. You've heard a lot of conflicting messages about drugs. There's plenty of myths and misinformation out there. And it's not always easy to know what effects and what's fiction when it comes to drugs. What's the facts and what's the fictions? Uh, for the facts on, dif- on different for the facts on different, the effects of different types of drugs and drug safety, check out the following articles. And they list a load of different articles you know, about solvents and inhalers, poppers. They talk about what happens when I take uh, cocaine, you know, and 
they, they deal with the heavier drugs like um, uh, heroin etc but they talk about you know de- being dependent on drugs really really good website Right. well worth a visit if you can get a young person if you can sort of push a young person uh, to take a look at it it's just I suppose it's to educate ourselves isn't it as parents absolutely yeah. absolutely to know what's going on and I mean another good um, online one <coughs> would be or to email would be info at nasouth.ie that would be for Narcotics Anonymous and uh, as a self-help group, I mean, Narcotics Anonymous are, are brilliant. Um, uh, in the evening between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Now, I hope the number isn't out of date, but um, 087-1386-120 was a contact number there. And um, like for Cork and Kerry, down in the south, as it were, um, the <coughs> excuse me, there's a website www.nasouth.ie or email info at nasouth.ie Okay. Um, uh, you know, they they can be brilliant and, um, you know, anyone with a, with a drug problem uh, will feel at home when they walk in the room uh, because everyone is there for the same reason they want to stop. Okay. All right, we'll leave it there. We'll talk again next week. Uh, Joe, thank you for that and have a good week. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Joe Heffernan, uh, who is, runs a counselling practice in Bohopwe. His number is 029-76617. John Paul says he's been getting a number of calls today with people looking for information that Annalise Dressel, our nutritional therapist, gave on the programme yesterday. Obviously, Annalise gives an awful lot of information every week. We can't take down all of the information that she she gives every week but the show is podcast every day and is available on c103.ie and the c103 app is also on iTunes Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from and what John Paul does the Annalisa slot is actually podcasted separately so you don't have to listen to the entire show if you're just trying to listen for something that Annalise gave out yesterday or in any of the shows that we do with Annalise so um, please go to the podcast because just John Paul is under a huge amount of pressure answering calls and in the midst of them all he's just getting so many calls in asking about a particular piece of information that Annalise gave yesterday so we're trying to take a bit of pressure off him on the phone so thank you for that and then a couple of people have been on trying to give advice to the lady who contacted us because her daughter is was bullied at school. The bullying went on for about three years. But for the last two years, she's been getting these muscle spasms. Joints are locking. She ends up in severe pain in her joints. And it has led to non-epilepsy seizures in and out of hospital with the last number of years. But now what's happening is these seizures are taking over this young girl's life. And I say young girl because she's only 17 and the mum contacting us saying this is no way for a 17 year old to live her life. I'm wondering any suggestion, is there any way of controlling the seizures? It's followed then by very bad tantrums. And she was looking for any advice. A couple of people have been on uh, to us. A lady from Bantry follows the medical medium online. I saw this guy on TV actually the other day. And this lady says one of the things he suggests is to try drinking celery juice with water every morning. You do it on an empty stomach. This lady reckons it might help. It tastes pretty awful. I, I mean, I, I'm I don't like celery anyway, so to me that's a nightmare thing. But a lot of those, th- that type of alternative uh, help 
doesn't taste too, too good so I don't know if you're going to get a 17 year old to do that but Fran and Art Patrick is agreeing with the advice that I gave about the CBD oil Fran says Patricia is right about CBD oil the one she should try is cannabinoid gold which is the one that I do know that Annelise Dressel recommends and there's a lot of research behind that cannabis cannabinoid gold it's called you can only get it in in health shops Fran and our Patrick says says suggests you start with a small amount around 5% uh, and you do daily it's twice a day isn't it and, and you, you get to the right mix for you and also Fran suggests yoga or any kind of outdoor activities that would also be good and also would be very uh, helpful thank you for that to 1850 been asked to repeat the winners of the Charlie River Show tickets because somebody missed me calling out the winners and they want to know did they win it was Noelle McSweeney from Knocknagree and uh, Cathy Lenahan from uh, Mwilin congratulations to our two winners that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock for Wednesday's edition of the program. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.